We are different. Men and women are different. We saw last week that there are differences in us, and we want to celebrate those differences and acknowledge them and not fight against them, knowing that God created man different than he did women to live out in life. We have to understand each other better in relationship, whether that's just a work relationship, a friend relationship, as in community, whether it's marriage or dating. The more we get to know about the other sex, the more apt we are to live in harmony with each other. The problem comes is when we try to force a male to be like a female or a female to be like a male. The problem comes in marriage when we try to force our spouse to do something that's not normal for them. We also run into problems when we don't give the privilege to live out who we are and the identity that Christ has created us in. But when you begin to unlock some things in relationship, it really does help your relationship flourish and it goes to a whole nother level. And today we're going to address some other areas in men's lives and we're going to look at some, some differences in men's lives. But the reality is we even speak differently. The phrases that we use, the things that we say are just different. And there are some things that men would never say. Let me show you. Take a look at this. Do you want to drive? No, it's okay. You can drive. No, seriously, you drive this time. No, I don't mind. You can drive. I got to drive the minivan last time. No, it's all right. I love being a passenger. Yeah, I ought to stop and ask for directions. I just got to get my baby fix. No, I'll stick with my push mower. Oh, I broke a nail. I want to finish my steak. If he shows up wearing the same shirt, I will just die. Wait, let's take a minute and look at the instructions. I think I actually have beeper fever. I love your drapes. I really wish we had a poodle. Can I get that without the bacon? Ooh, figure skating. Cuticles. But I just don't feel pretty. Did you think it could slow down a little bit? So I was on Pinterest today, and I saw they have the... Ooh, pin that! You know, why don't you invite your old boyfriend to the party? Hmm, what's your soup of the day? What's the big deal about motorcycles anyway? I just feel like I need a good cry. Yeah, I think I'm gonna put smaller tires on it. Sequins. <laughs> Duct tape won't fix that. Hey, why don't we call your mom? Let's see what she thinks. Dude, do you want to come over and watch Titanic? <laughs> do these make my butt look big? How about the notebook? The cutest kitten ever. The wedding planner? What this day needs is a good hot bath. My best friend's wedding. Honey, can we just cuddle tonight? Hugh Grant movie marathon. Who left the seat up? I wonder who's on the view today. Yeah, I really wasn't that good of a football player in high school. Mmm, quiche. I think my biceps are getting too big. <laughs> Jazz hands. But we don't need a TV that big. Here, you can have the remote. Is that yellow line really on the field? Celine Dion. Are you doing something different with your hair? Mmm, salad. The things that he will never say. This week you'll have to go online to our Facebook page and you will be able to see that video and listen closely, intently. And uh, it was some fun. Some great ideas there. But we are different. Let's face it. Men and women.
different. And today we're going to address some of the differences. And we're going to look at three areas and, and take a look at these things and acknowledge them. And hopefully you'll leave here. And there'll be some moments in this message today that'll be pretty challenging. And I'm going to speak for men. And I'll take a lot of hits for you because I believe it's important enough to share it so that our marriages and our relationships and our potential relationships, our working relationships, flourish. So grab your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. We're going to read this out loud together. We'd love for you to join in with us. So hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand and just leave it on the chair when you leave. Proverbs, unless you don't have a Bible, take it home with you. It's our gift from Grace Community. But turn to Proverbs chapter 30. And we're going to read verses 18 and 19. Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19. Stand with me and, and we'll read it together. Proverbs 18, or 30, verses 18 and 19. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on high seas, and the way of a man with a maiden. Let's read it again. There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on high seas, and the way of a man with a maiden. Let me have a seat. The New Living Translation says this. Instead of the way of a man with a maiden, it says, the way a man loves a woman. Now think about that for a second. There are three things, look again down back at your Bibles, there are three things that are too amazing for me, the author says. Then he says, four, I do not understand. So if he doesn't understand it, and the fourth thing he says, what he doesn't understand, the way a man loves a woman. Now, how many women here would say, I don't understand the way he's trying to love me? And I don't understand his love. My love language sometimes is different. And so, even from the beginning, even if we look in Proverbs, there's an acknowledgement that, that the way a man loves a woman is difficult to understand. So if it's difficult to understand, then there's going to be some differences when you put a man with a woman, especially even in the context of marriage. So when you walk into marriage, there will be these moments where even a woman will say, I don't understand how my man is trying to love me. I'm not even certain that it's love. It's a very difficult thing. Four things that the author says is just too difficult to understand. How a man loves a woman. And one of the areas that I think this surfaces is in the area of romance. Our world has pictured what romance looks like. Our world has shown us on, in Hollywood and drama, has shown us countless times in history, in talk shows, in books, and everywhere we look, there seems to be only one model of romance. And generally speaking, this view is accepted as the only way to be romantic. So in your mind right now, think about you. When you think about being romantic with your husband, or husbands, when you think about being romantic with your wives, what are the elements that make that romance come alive? What are some of the components that somehow must surface and you know, well, he's being romantic. What if I told you, and I'm going to, that our definition of romance is often different than yours? Somebody say, well, I knew that. There's none. What if I told you that his former romance 
might be totally different than yours. In fact, I've heard, I heard a guy say this this morning. We're talking about romance. He said this. He said, you know what? Men just need to learn what romance is. Maybe, just maybe, women need to learn what a man's form of romance is. There are two kinds of romance, and I'm going to play them out today. Both are important. Sometimes you can do both. Sometimes you do the other. But romance comes in different forms depending upon you're a man or you're a woman. Our way to show romance can sometimes be different than what a woman perceives or even accepts or acknowledges. My hope is this, that somehow today we'll unlock some differences and help us solve the puzzle. My hope is that you didn't, that, that somehow if you didn't see last week's message, you'll go back and watch it and build upon this week so that you see we've been building upon these components of relationship. In a survey, and there's been many surveys done, by the way, even personally, as I've investigated men and studied men, it's one of my favorite things to do is to pour into men and study men. In a survey of a thousand men recently, the question was asked, what is romance to you? Now think about that for a second. If you were asked that question, what's the first thing, men, that comes to mind? What have you been programmed to think is romance? Somewhere in that picture, there's got to be one of these. Somewhere in that picture of romance, some point, there's candlelight, there's a sunset, there's an ocean, there's, there's whining and dining, there's this moment where it's dark, there's this moment that, that it's just you and her sitting quietly, enjoying the evening together. It's a culmination of of holding her hand and loving her and pouring into her, sitting in a secluded place somehow, and there's candlelight there. What if I told you that a man's picture of romance might look like one of these? What if I told you that there's a large percentage of men that when they think about romance, it doesn't necessarily include this, but it does include this. Now, seriously, think about this for a second. A woman's form of romance is this. A man's form of romance is this. And I'm going to show you, explain to you, that there are a large percentage of men that would see romance a lot different. Women like candles that they can blow out. Men like to blow up candles. And one of the things that you'll see today is this, that our view of romance might be a lot different. You might even find that all these years that you've known your man, he's been trying to pull you into his world. He's been trying to get you to be romantic. Maybe, just maybe, he's been the romantic one and you haven't. Because the only view that you have is, well, he's not romantic unless he gives me this. What if, just what if you find out today that you have been the cause and the block in bringing romance into your relationship? 1,000 men were surveyed and asked the question, what is romance to you? 40% of these men said what I'm about to tell you regarding romance. I believe that number is even higher. I believe a lot of men don't even know 
and they're going to, it's going to unlock today, and you're going to sit there and say, oh, you're right. And if you were surveyed after this service, I bet our percentages was being even, or it will be even higher because somehow in our minds, there's only been one view of romance. 59% of men surveyed said romance includes this or looks like that. The traditional candlelight dinner, sitting by a fire or watching a sunset on the beach was romance. But 40%, and I think even larger, men, when surveyed, described it as this. And here's how they described it. They described romance as playing together. Now think about that for a second. Ladies, these are some good notes to take today. They described romance as playing together. When my wife plays with me. A man's view of romance is getting out and doing things together. Doing an activity together. Doing an activity that pulls you into his world and you go on this adventure together. A large percentage of men said romance to them is doing an activity together. In fact, playing with our wives makes us feel very close and loving and intimate. You see, it gives a man the chance to focus on his girl and on his wife. Let me just say it this way. In this context here, not in the context of a magazine, we want you to be our playmate. Now think about that for a second. A man's heart comes alive when his wife becomes his playmate. When she jumps into his world and joins him in this activity that he wants to do. Now, before you say that isn't romantic, remember, it matters not what you think at this point. I'm giving you the heart of a man. A man is hardwired, over 40% of them in his DNA, to think that playing together is very romantic. So, listen, ladies, if that's the case... Why fight it? If you want a spark in your relationship, if you want to continue that spark in that relationship, here's a chance to bring it, even beside this, add this to the relationship. And the dynamics of your intimacy could really flourish. It's no different than when you were dating. Now just think about us this for a second. When you were dating, part of the thrill was doing fun things together. And it didn't have to even cost you money. Now think about that. When you were just, he was on the pursuit, he was coming after you. A lot of the things that, that you enjoyed and what made his, his, his ignition take off was when you did things together. And some of those things, and many of those things, weren't just whining and dining by candlelight. When you join in the activity with your man, it does something inside of him. We prefer the active model as romance. But here is what has happened, again, in our world. We have been programmed to believe that romance is only candlelight and dinner and flowers and sunset and sunrises. Pause. We'll talk more about this in the next two weeks. Men, that gives you no permission to say, well, we're only going to do it this way. Because our desire, too, is to pour into the tanks of our wives and the ladies that we're courting and to allow them to feel loved and, and develop intimacy, too. But ladies, 
I'm speaking to you from the heart of many men today. Your man wants you to be his playmate. He wants you to join him in his activities, to come into his world, and not only come into his world, but participate in his world. Many men want you to join them in an activity or an adventure. It's often things like this. Hiking, exploring, a motorcycle ride, golfing, camping. Now, just pause for a second. Think about this. How in the world is camping romantic? Let me ask you a question. When you go camping, who normally does the cooking? When you go camping, who normally gathers the wood? When you go camping, does your man come alive? A man is moved by adventure. A man is moved by activity. And if he can have activity in the, the, the context of relationship, it causes him to come alive. Another way, many ways, by the, by the fact of the matter is, canoeing down a river, taking a walk in the woods. And even if your man is a hunting man, taking a walk in the woods to look for deer sign can be very romantic to your man. You're like, you're looking at a tree that's got scrape marks on it. But if you join your man on that adventure, it does the same thing for him what this could do for you. Shooting hoops together, jogging together, joining him, building a snowman together. Instead of standing at the window with the hot chocolate, you go out in the yard, bundle up. Help him put the snowballs on top and finish the snowman. Your man will be lit up for months. Seriously. Guys, how many times have you built a snow fort with your wife past the time of dating? But when you do and your wife joins me, I can tell you the times that my wife has joined me making a snowman or building a snow fort in the yard and I get to follow her through the hut. That is awesome. You laugh. It's true. My wife has learned to know this. But there's many things that we do. We basically want you to join us in the romance by coming into our world. Girls, dating. When you're with a man, think about all the activities you've done together. Some of the early things that my wife and I did together when we were college students at Grace. We didn't have much money. Most college kids don't. We would walk to the park. She loved it. I loved it. We would hold hands, go to the park, and we would end up down in Winona Lake Park shooting hoops together. My wife is a good athlete. And so we would shoot hoops together. Let me tell you something. That was awesome. Think about it. When you could just playfully block her shots, and she blocked yours, and you got to steal the ball from her, and you got to box her out. Oh, my goodness. That was very romantic to me. There was something that was happening because I was connecting with her in life. Come here on a Wednesday night sometime. Watch what happens before the children or the teens are dismissed over into youth group study. Watch what happens when guys shoot hoops and a girl walks out on the court and begins to interact with the guys that are shooting hoops. The guy begins to playfully block her shots. He begins to elbow her. He begins to jab at her. I'm telling you what, that is lighting a guy up. This Wednesday, we'll probably have all kinds of girls shooting hoops out here. (laughs) I'm serious about this. I think 
that because we've been programmed to believe this is the only form, that many relationships sit back and say, well, I wish my man was romantic like he is. The reality is he might be more romantic because, but you haven't bought into the romance and you've been the block for this. I still love it when my wife joins me in activity after activity. Even yesterday, something as simple. Isaiah was 14. And he loves playing golf. So as a family with my, my, my children and, 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 and their friends, we went out and played golf together. My wife walked with me. I loved watching her putt. It was awesome. I, it was really awesome. And I love engaging with her and laughing with her. I can tell you times, I can think of instances when we were, we were back in Maryland. My buddy owned some property and there were some four-wheelers that he had just purchased. He has a shop. He says, would you like to take them out? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So I hopped on one and Josh and Hannah hopped on one and Ann hopped on one. And she began to chase me through the woods. She was giggling behind me. Oh my goodness. That was awesome. She was lighting something inside of me the same way that candlelight could for you or a sunset. Now, I'm not saying I don't enjoy that, but the reality is I also enjoy that. Think about when you were first dating. What were some of the things that you've done? There's nothing like in our backfield, we often go sledding, and even recently, we like to get, grab old mattresses and hook them to the end of the Jeep and sled ride on the mattress. It's awesome because you can stand on them, you can wrestle on them. And, and I could tell you one time, my wife and I were in our backfield and we were trying to pave a path on the backfield so that the kids could sled. And for 30 minutes, I drug her around the field, snow coming off her face. She's giggling and I'm just, oh my God, that's, it was romantic. Listen, God, yes, four things that we can't understand. How a man loves a woman. Now, I want some of you ladies to realize this. Because if you unlock this, and you become more active in his life, and you join him in the adventure, I even like something as simple as playing catch in the backyard or wiffle ball. When Anne joins in with the kids, and she runs around the bases and laughs, it is awesome for me. Let me say it this way. When another man witnesses a wife having fun with her husband, it's incredibly attractive. I'm serious about this. I've been in conversations with men. When you watch another man's wife join in with him in some fashion or form in an activity, it's incredibly attractive. And it's even more attractive when it's your wife joining in with you. You might say, well, I got some work to do. Listen, you might have some work to do, but the good news is this. It's never too late to start. We love playfulness. It lights our candles and makes us want to turn out the candles later. It does something to us. Seriously, think again about the early days. Now to married couples, I want to speak right now. From a man's perspective, romance without sex when you're married doesn't feel romantic to him. Because all day long, he's thinking about the end zone later. And so if you're pouring into him with this activity, 
There's something that happens to him, and this thing that happens to him, he wants to culminate that in the bedroom. And so if romance isn't at, or sex isn't at the end of this romantic for a long period, for continued periods, we understand sometimes it isn't. Once every six years is fine when you don't. But we need it. And so when there's a continuation of this, it dries up the relationship. Let me speak for all the married men in here. When there isn't sex, there's often great disappointment on his end. And by the way, most men want you to make the move at the romantic day. There's not a man in this room that hasn't walked away from an encounter and think, boy, I just wish she would take the initiative. I can tell you over and over and over and over and over again, meeting with men, how often that comes. I just wish she would initiate once in a while. Because if I always initiate, I feel like she doesn't want to spend time together. Ladies, I'm speaking truth right now. I'm giving you tips that could help your marriage in a strong way. He wants to finish the evening. By the way, your form of dessert is peanut butter pie or sitting with your man. His form of dessert in the evening is room service with you. That's romance to him. He also wants you to entice him. Now, think about this for a second. Let me explain it this way. Often a woman's view of romance is the sense that she is still being pursued. You know, I have this discussion with Anne often, and we've grown a lot. I've grown a lot in this area. She'll often say, Jim, I still want you to pursue me. Jim, I want to know that, that I'm pursuable. And so, we, and so I work hard at constantly pursuing her. She wants to know that I'm still after her, that, she's, that I still want her. She wants to know that she's worth catching, not just once, but continually. So her view of romance and a woman's view of romance is the sense that she's still being pursued. Now, listen, this is a guy's view. His view of romance is, well, I caught her past the remote control. Now, I'm going to flesh it out a little bit. In our mind, once we've captured Once we've conquered, most men shop that way. A man goes to the mall, what's he do? He wants to conquer. He walks in, I need shoes, I need a shirt, I need need this, I need that. He goes to two stores, he's done. You walk through the mall, you put on 10 outfits, a man is a conqueror. He's caught it. And once he's conquered, it's time to go home. And he's sitting there, aren't you done yet? Blowing the horn. But we must move beyond that men. Because in order... For this continue to happen the rest of our lives, this pursuing and chasing, we must work this out. So ladies, I would say this. He needs to think that you've escaped. Now think about that for a second. He needs to think that you've escaped. He needs to think that you're on the loose again. He's got to go catch you again. It's just not up to him. It's not just his responsibility so you got to entice him. you got to make him believe that, guess what? I got loose. Come get me. You know, it's pretty simple, by the way. We're, we're like one wire up top. If you go like this, and, you're, and, and if Ann goes like this, and she just stands across the room, and she says, Jim, I'm done. I mean, this one finger has so much power. 
Seriously, guys, think about it. If your wife just goes, I mean, we don't even have a weapon like that. <laughs> Seriously, if you went to your wife and went, she would say, oh, <laughs> This little finger, you don't realize how much power you weld with this little finger and that entice us. Listen, we don't get enough of enticing. It's not once a week. It's not once a month. It's continuously making us believe that you're on the loose and he has to track you down again and conquer you and trap you and catch you over and over and over. Listen, you see what's happening here? It takes both of us. You want pursued? Make yourself pursuable. You're on the loose. He wants to feel like you're loose? Make yourself appear that you, you got away. And so when you have this cat and mouse kind of love, it stays fresh and hot for the rest of your marriage. Listen to me, you know, you, you hear people say, as you age and you begin to learn this intimacy and you begin to learn about each other, the relationship and intimacy that you can have with your spouse continues to get better and better and better the longer you live. Am I right, men who've been married for a while? It gets better and better. Thank you, Chuck. It gets better and better and better and better. Because think about, there's some of this information we're still learning. So when you begin to implement this, instead of fighting it, it's amazing what can happen. He needs to think that you have escaped. I'm not talking about games and manipulation that some women like to play and using yourself to get your way. Like, well, I'll give you what you want or I'm going to hold out until you do this for me. That's ungodly. That's called sin. But just natural playfulness, this playful activity that continues to happen throughout your marriage. So what are some ways? I'll give you some practical ways. You can do your things. Here are some practical ways. How can you continue to want to appear as though you've escaped or entice him? Maybe you do this. As he heads out for work in the morning, just give him a passionate kiss. If he wants to know what it was for, tell him it's the appetite for tonight's menu. He's done the rest of the day. You laugh, guys. Am I right? All you think about you would climb Mount Everest to meet her wherever she wants you to meet her. Maybe, just maybe, you get up a little bit earlier than he does, maybe once a week, or, and brush your teeth and do your hair and get all cleaned up and put on some nice perfume. And as he prays for you before he leaves for the office or his job, open up your robe with your birthday suit and catch me if you can, but later. I will guarantee you, your man will crawl through rocks, through glass. He will scrub your pots. He will do whatever it needs to meet you there that night. Guys, am I right about this? Some of you are afraid to say, yeah, but it's the truth. Ladies. Make yourself the kind of wife or friend, and in marriage, should be your friend, 
that he constantly wants to pursue. No man wants to catch a nagging woman. Like, I don't want to catch my wife if she's nagging. It's like, I'm not going there. Why would I want to pursue a nagging woman? So, no man wants to catch a nagging woman. No man wants to conquer a criticizing companion. Like, I don't want to go there tonight. Keep your man number one too, ladies. Not by spending all of your time doting the children around or checking off your to-do list and getting into your Martha routine or by being wrapped up with this event and that person or this calendar and then you move him down to number three or four. Make him believe that he's the most important person in your life outside of Jesus Christ. Man, I'm going to talk to you next week. But when we both give and we prioritize each other right under Jesus Christ, this romance begins to flourish in our relationships. But ladies, some of the primary reasons we stop doing the things that you might consider romantic, even this. One of the primary reasons that we stop even pursuing this side of romance, because men, we need to. Because this feeds them, and this makes them feel love. But one of the primary reasons, or a couple primary reasons that we don't pursue this is pretty simple. We're afraid of not doing a very good job. And self-doubt steps in. And then if you tell us these stories like, well, you, should, you hear what Bob did for, for Anne? Man, he, he took her on this vacation to the Bahamas. He surprised her. He took an airplane and flew it in the sky. And he put her on this ship and they ate lobster. It's like, why even try? You're just setting your husband up for failure. And he won't even go there if you're constantly comparing what other people have done for their wives. And by the way, if we think there's a chance that we're going to fail at being romantic, just a 51% chance, we won't do it. You see, we can practice at sports and get better, but we can't practice at romance, especially if you constantly make us aware of how well or unwell we didn't do it. Another reason is we don't pursue this kind of romance if a man feels inadequate or stressed at work or at school, he might feel inadequate at romance and not try to do it because of the risk of failing he can't handle anymore. So if things are in turmoil at work or things are in turmoil at school or things are in turmoil somewhere else, your man does feel that. And so there's a part of him that he says, I can't even put the energy into that because I know I'm going to fail and it's not worth trying. We are haunted by our romantic failures with you from the past too, especially if you continue to remind us. And we get paralyzed by the thought of having to top the last time we did something. I'm, I'm telling you, like in our mind, we're constantly trying to improve. And so we're constantly keeping score. So if we've done something like been off the charts in your mind, we feel this need if you continue to elevate it, to do one better than the last time. You know, I talk about we're competitive. And so if you constantly tell us what other people are doing, or you remind us, well, when are you going to do that again? Or when are you going to do it better than that? And so in our minds, if we are walking into this gauntlet of trying to top the last time, we won't go there because we know we'll fail. 
It's a very scary experience when a couple is dating for a man to be romantic because he doesn't want to fail. And so he steps into it slowly. So ladies, help us. You know, if we do one thing well, don't tell us that you wish we did this well. If we just got like one piece of the night, step away and say, boy, at least he was thinking about me. And if you accept one piece instead of saying, well, that's it, it paralyzes your man. So there is a huge difference in the way that romance is played out in our world. I love it when my wife Anne joins me in the activities. One of our favorite things to do, we've learned, is riding motorcycles together. And I love it. She loves it. I love when we hop on our Harley and take off, and she jumps on the back, and she wraps her legs around me, or I'm just, it's awesome. She's my wife. She's loud, too. It is just, it's, it's awesome. It's an adventure. I love those moments. Yesterday, we were playing golf together, and, and, and it was cold. We got finished, and she wrapped her arms around, stuck them inside of my hoodie sweatshirt, and it was like, oh, this is so romantic. She was thinking, I am frozen. <laughs> but I was just lit up. Learn the differences and be willing to push yourself through them. Another difference about men, we are visually impaired. Let me explain that for a second. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We are visually impaired. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And when we get this down, everything changes. This is where it normally gets quiet in the room, but for the sake of men, I want to speak truth. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the thing man looks at. Man looks at the what appearance? But the Lord looks at the what? Now back that up again. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Two things from this that surface. One is this. We aren't God. We aren't the Lord. So if the Lord looks at the outside, remember, we're not the Lord. He looks at the heart. The second thing from this we got to recognize is this. God acknowledges that we do look at the outside. So, back away and say, God has the ability to only look at the heart. We as men look at the outward appearance. Listen to me, ladies. Outward appearance, visual, is very important to men. Don't fight it. It's how we're wired. It's how God has made us. Don't fight it. Celebrate it. And when you celebrate it, and when you recognize it, and when you pour energy into it, it can change your marriage relationship. So the effort you put into your appearance is very high on his priority list. You say, well, I knew that. But listen, what are you doing about it? The effort means more to you than you realize. Even now, my wife is 48, I'm 51. I robbed the cradle and I'm glad. But 
My wife, when my wife Ann says, you know what, Jim, I'm going to go and work out with, with, with my friends. Or, Jim, Mondays we like to run together. I'm off on Mondays, and she runs same place. We run in different directions, and we meet back together. And there's a point where she's coming back, and I'm coming the other way, and it's like we high-five each other, and she finishes about the same time. When my wife tells me she's going to work out, I'm telling you what, I feel loved. Because to me it says this. Her outward appearance is important to her, and she knows it's important to me. Now, she makes it fun. She has workout buddies. She spends time. And even this, when my wife, and, and, and we've been on a great journey for many years trying to eat nutritionally, she makes an important attempt to eat in an, a, a positive nutritional way. It lights me up. It means that she cares about what's going into her body. And so, ladies, when you begin to even change what you eat, the effort that you make means a ton. It means more than what the product is. It means that you care about him. 70% of men polled shared they would be deeply bothered if a woman let herself go. In fact, he would feel like he was being disrespected if she made no effort to take care of herself. Confidence is very attractive to your man. Let me explain that. By the way, guys, we're going to talk more next week, but when a woman knows who she is in Jesus Christ, and when she knows that the king is enthralled with her beauty, and that her identity is in Jesus, and when she says, I'm beautiful in the sight of God himself, when you add to that, and you pour confidence into her, and you elevate her, and you love her, and you chase her, and you pursue her, and you encourage her, and you cherish her, and when you do all the errs, it makes a huge difference to her. There is nothing more attractive than a confident woman and her features. It has nothing to do with size. You show me a woman who's confident in Jesus Christ, I will show you an attractive woman in her husband's eyes. It's important, ladies, it's imperative that you find your identity in Jesus Christ. When a woman takes care of herself, a man thinks that he did very well. This is another level of insecurity that you can help your man overcome. There are times when I'm with my wife. Yesterday was another time. I feel like I've won the lottery. It's like, holy cow. I mean, she's a knockout to me. And when I'm with her, I feel like I've won the lottery. But I pour into her and she pours into me. She joins me in the adventures of life. I, I, I work hard at trying to join her in her adventures. And so it's just give and take. And when I'm not doing a good job, we can fill in our relationship. By the way, ladies, let me just say this. The most unattractive thing that you can do is to point out your faults and the things you don't like about yourself. Like, if you say to your husband, you know, I don't like the way I look in these pants, and I don't like my nose, and man, my toes have always been like this, you know. It's like, and so listen, do you think he ever thinks, well, now that you mention it, what's he supposed to say? Anything he says in that moment incriminates him, and it's not going to be a touchdown that night. So don't say it, okay? When you point out your faults, that's not attractive to him. It just isn't. There is not one phrase that comes after that that could ever win. Nothing. 
To the married couples, your man is visual. He is yours till death parts you. Why not give your man something that makes him think about you all day long and makes him want to chase you down at night? Why not? It's one less obstacle for temptation in your marriage. It, it, it just is. With that being said, let, let, let me address modesty because I think this is important in this conversation. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me address modesty because it, it has to come in this conversation. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. Paul says this to Timothy, and he's saying it to the church, and he's saying it to us today, inspired by the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9 says, I also want women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. doesn't want to bring attention. But he uses the word modesty. So let me, let me address dads first in this room that have daughters. I want to speak to you very candidly, And by the way, let me preface everything I'm saying is, I don't care what you do, but I care what I do. I'm not judging anyone here. I'm just telling you what I believe and what I practice in my home. And when I interpret this, this is what it means. But as long as I'm the father and my daughter is still at home, I'm supposed to guard the gate and so are you. And as your daughter ages and walks through life change and begins to mature, there are decisions that you'll have to make with her that she won't like. Regardless, you might have periods in your relationship with your daughter that she doesn't like you very much because you're guarding the gate of her heart and her body and her appearance. But if you gently walk her through stages, the whole way through it, and tell her why and explain to her, there'll come a point where she'll understand and she won't battle it at all. Let me explain it this way. Make sure she dresses with modesty. If you think your teenage daughter dressed in the bikini is not dangerous, then you've lost your mind. Yeah, you can decide. Now, I'm, I'm talking to daughters. Husbands, if you have wives, that's fine. They can dress however they want. You're the leader. That's fine. I'm not talking. I'm talking to fathers who have daughters. If you think that letting your girl, your teenage daughter, your junior high girl walk out in the public in a skimpy bikini doesn't, isn't dangerous, then you, you need to go to Mars. Listen, one of the best things you can do for your daughter is to guard the gate of her virginity and her purity and her modesty. I have a beautiful daughter. She is radiant. I mean, the most beautiful 19-year-old girl on planet Earth, inside and outside. And I have worked hard to guard her purity and her modesty. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm the dad. And so are you. And if they don't like it, it might mean that you have to buy the most expensive bathing suit. It might mean that you have to drive to the beach and find the most beautiful one piece or two piece that covers the belly button that you've ever found. It might mean that you have to go the extra mile, but listen, it is worth it. Call me old fashioned. I just say I'm fighting for Hannah. I call it biblical dress with modesty. 
I want to protect my daughter from all the evil men out there who just want to lust over her. You see, when she leaves home, gets married, she can do what she wants. But I have worked hard at trying not only her, but my sons to bounce their eyes. You see, even for me personally, my own wife, the choices that we've made there. You know, I want my wife to only look good for me. And by the way, I want to starve my eyes for my wife only. I bounce my eyes. I, I don't lust after other women. I want to starve my eyes for Anne, Catherine, Bortner, Brown. I, I want to, for her to be my standard of beauty. And every time I look at her, that's what I want to say. Boy, am I hungry. And by the way, when I look at Anne, I get really hungry. Men, if your wife knows that when you look at her, you get really, really, really hungry, she knows when that's the case. She feels loved. When it comes to swimsuits, here's what I think about it. Personally, like I said, you can do what you want. Honestly, I don't have a problem. Honestly, I don't because I know your adults. But my wife is private property and she's not open to public viewing. Dad, it's much easier to begin those processes when they're young than when it is when they're older. While I'm at it, a father needs to teach his daughters to distinguish between a man who flatters her and a man who compliments her, a man who spends money on her and a man who invests in her, a man who views her as property and a man who views her properly, and a man who lusts after her and a man who loves her. And a man who believes he is God's gift to women. And a man who remembers a woman was God's gift to man. And we need to teach our boys to be that kind of man. I work hard at trying to teach Josh and Isaiah those things. Single ladies, listen to me. You're in this room. You are a princess to God. A princess worthy of pursuit. You don't have to settle for some man that wants to lust after you. Wait on a man that wants your heart and will pursue you, love you, respect you, and cherish you. Let me also say this to single ladies. Be careful. You do not offer too much of yourself to a man until you have good, solid evidence that he is a strong, godly man willing to commit. By the way, Look at his track record with other women. If there's anything to be concerned about it, bring it up. Talk about it. Don't make assumptions. Assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. Also, look at his close male friends. What are they like as men? Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs says, those that walk with the wise become wise. Look at the friends that he's hanging with. Can he hold down a job? Is he walking with God in a real intimate way? Is he facing the wounds from his past? Is he headed somewhere in life? Because ladies, listen to me. Your heart is at stake here. Don't give it away too quickly. Only give it to a man that's worthy of it. Way too many of you have underestimated your value and have taken a, the first piece of meat on the chopping block. And you've heard me say this, but it's worth repeating. 
and you got the butt steak and didn't wait on the prime rib. And some of you right now are in dating relationships. Maybe even in this room, you got butt steak right beside you. You don't have to stay with him. If he's pushing you for sex, kick him out. If he's following hard after God and you're running out of breath trying to keep up with him, listen to me, like a fisherman. Once you get a keeper, put him on the stringer and don't let him get away. You see, I know this to be true because I sit with couples that rush into relationships and later regret what they did. It might mean that some of you walk away from the person that you're with today until he gets it right. Your testimony for Jesus is more important than a bouquet of flowers and to put on Facebook in a relationship. But ladies, once you catch a keeper, don't release him back into the waters of humanity. And when you got a man that's hungry after Jesus Christ, that's pursuing you, let him know, like I said last week, that you'll be there at the end. Even if you don't know how it's all going to work out, he needs to know that you're going to be there at the end and hold on to him because you finally got something. And by the way, just keep casting until you get a keeper. If it's not the minimum requirements, throw him back. Let me close by saying this. Men, I want to speak to you. Finish what you started. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 21. Finish what you started. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 21. Same author says this. Proverbs 30 and verse 21. Under three things the earth, what? Trembles. Now think about this. Three things it causes the earth to tremble. Then it says this. Under four, it cannot bear up. So just pause. So what I'm about to read says this. Because of these four things, if they're not operating to the maximum performance, then the earth trembles and shakes. It cannot stand up. And here are the reasons that the earth trembles and it's falling apart. And here's why. A servant who becomes a king. A fool who is full of food. An unloved what? Who is what? And a maidservant who displaces her mistress. There are four things that causes the earth to tremble and not be able to be held up. One of those four things is a woman who's married that's not loved by her husband. Men, we have a chance to bring stability to our world. We have a chance to bring health to our communities. We have a chance to turn the tide on all the earthquakes and all the the, the rattles that are taking place by loving our wives forever. Listen, men, finish what you started. Our world is loaded with starters. I call them starters, men. Yeah, I'm in for better, for worse, sickness and health. Yeah, I'll be there. And soon as something falls apart, he bails. Listen to me. When... You say, I do, it means I do until you breathe your last breath. It doesn't mean that you just kind of wander through. It means that you, right to the end of your life, you're giving your best. World is loaded with starters. 
Men who say, yeah, I'll do that. I'm committed. And then when something falls apart, he runs away. We need finishing men. And if you get some finishing men who follow after Jesus Christ, you'll get the family, the community, and the world. And the world as we know it would change, and it wouldn't be in such chaos because a man loved his wife. There it is. That's why we see such instability in our world. Because we don't have finishing men. I would love to see grace community men set the standard and say, I'm in till the end and I'm giving my best until I breathe my last breath. Second Timothy 4, 7 says it this way. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish, believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting and applause. An unloved woman causes the earth to tremble and it cannot bear up. It's time you step up and really live. Not minimum effort, but your maximum effort. Be the scout out in front leading in a godly way. By the way, physically, spiritually, relationally, intellectually, give your best. Physically, spiritually, relationally, intellectually. Some of you couldn't rescue your own child if they were drowning in the ocean because you're so out of shape. You would have to call on some other man because you couldn't hike a mountain if your child was lost 16,000 feet up. Some of you have given up on that end and you'll think it's okay. Some of you couldn't even chase your wife for a mile if she wanted to go like this because you'd be out of breath. And we accept it as the norm. No. We have the living God inside of us. We need to give our best in all areas because the God of the universe lives in us. Some of you have failed to lead as a spiritual leader because you spend more time with your toys and your boys than with your God. What would happen though? What would happen if we turned the tide? What would happen if we said, not on my watch? What would happen if we said, what I started, I am finishing. What would happen if your word was your bond and you said, I'll be there and you show up and you show up with maximum effort and not minimum effort. We have way too many men who give minimum effort in everything. So there it is, ladies. It's obvious that we're different. Men, don't let your differences trump your wives' needs. Single ladies, don't settle. And when you find a man that's chasing hard after God, hold on to him with a death grip. Married men, finish the deal with everything you got. Jesus, help us. If we would take those principles and apply them and live them out, the earth would stop shaking and trembling. Give us strength, Give us patience in our conversations. Remove our defensive attitudes. Remove the need to be right as we talk about this. Protect us from the enemy who wants to divide and conquer. I pray that relationships at grace would just flourish and that we would turn the tide on the trembling earth that we live in. We love you, God. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.